You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, Luke Hector here. Uh, I forget which episode this is now. I get so like caught up on other things that I forget the number. Oh well, you know what it is. But this is a kind of a quickie, really. Or I say quickie, it depends on when I talk about the games because I've literally, uh, let's see, about since an hour and a quarter ago, got back from HandyCon, which is essentially what used to be an annual convention, now a two a year convention, and no, once a once a year, then a two a year, and now it seems to be like three or four a year. It's kind of insane why they're doing it this often. But uh, yeah, lots of HandyCon conventions over the years. So this is what, like the 10th one now or something, and it's the last one of the year, but then there's another one already planned for January, and then there'll be one for like around April, May time. I mean, oh blimey, learn to take a rest. There are lots of other conventions, you know, but Hey, can't knock it because it's good fun. We meet up in Milton Keynes in uh, Delta Hotel Marriott, which is uh, not the best hotel in the world. I mean, they they got the function rooms and they got some of the facilities in that. But, you know, for £75 a night, they could cook some better food and they could get more staff on for the bar. And also the rooms could have something better than a shower in the bath with a busted water supply. I don't know. It's a, uh, you know, it could be better for the money. So... I stayed on site because normally I like to use its uh, inbuilt gym. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to use the gym on any day this time. So that was a bit of a waste. Could have just stayed off site about 10 minutes drive away and saved, uh, you know, 20, 30 quid a night or something, which I probably should have done. But, ah, well, those are niggles. The convention is still great fun. It's run by Paul Harris and his team. Orange volunteers all over the place. And when I say orange, I do mean orange, right down to Paul Harris's obscene dress sense. But the... uh, yeah, we get there. We go there and play games. Some of my Southampton mates uh, join me there. I meet a few people who go to GridCon and go to Paul Grogan's lot as well from the Slack channel. Uh, who, and some people who watch my show, sir, Shirts and Merchandise. Uh, shirts and Merch Studio are there. You know, one uh, guy who sells the t-shirts I've talked about in the past. Uh, gave me a new um, Kanban t-shirt. I haven't got it upstairs. It's downstairs. But, you know, um, you know it gives me a nice little present. So thank you for that. But yeah, I went there primarily to do two things. Firstly, cull a bunch of games. And I mean a bunch. I have really gone to town and culled a good number of games. I lost track of how many were on that list. A good 25 plus games. And yeah, granted, I got what, like just under 200 games or something? Or 200 games in my collection? But uh, yeah, culling 25 is a good, you know, I I probably culled a good 10% of the games I have. Maybe 5% uh, at worst. And they just needed to go, and I'll probably do a video about it at some point. You know, I mean, not all of them sold. I've still got some of them left, but I was able to sell some of the uh, big stuff. So, yeah, there's certainly some uh, room to put some of these Essen titles in. But maybe after GridCon. When I'm done with GridCon, um, there's another Brin and Buy there. I might then do a video and say all the ones I culled in the last month. You know, the big cull, and do a video on that, because I know everybody would like to see that. So, you know, did that. And secondly, I wanted to teach and play a bunch of Essen releases that I have played, that I'm trying to get reviewed, that I needed first plays of. And, you know, certainly did the job on a lot of that. (laughs) A lot of that indeed. 
So how's the channel going? Well, uh, let me get the screen up here. Picture and picture layout. Oh, nope, it's not working. Ah, it's all gone wrong. Uh, but now the conventions was it held in Milton Keynes. It's about two and a half hours away tops by car. Not the best journey in the world up there because it was pouring with rain. It was first thing in the morning. I got up really early to get there. And it was, like I say, dodging rush hour. It was horrible rainy. I was, uh, not to put too weird a point on it, um, dying for one uh, for a lot of the journey or something. And there's not a lot of service stations on the M25. But the, the problem also was just the fact that the M25 sucks for driving on. It really does. And so I just basically had to endure it. The drive back tonight was a lot easier, just casual. You know, I took the A34 route this time past Oxford because, frankly, it's <laughs> quicker sometimes as it was tonight than going on the M25. Because the M25 going south congestion is just ridiculous. And it's just a, a road I like to avoid if I can help it. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to avoid the M25 when you're going towards Luton, Milton Keynes way. But, uh, you know can be done if you're willing to just do alternate routes. So, in terms of the blog, doing well. 21,309. We're already at 21,000 subs, and we're already sort of, you know, 21,000 free now. I can't remember what it was last time, but it's uh, quite a lot. I mean, 308, you know, all these extra plus 21,000 have all happened in the last month. So, thank you for everybody who's subscribing, honestly, and who's watching the show. It really does mean a lot to me. Uh, new SM reviews are popping up like crazy. I mean, I'm surprised half of you can keep up, and surprised half of, I'm surprised half of me can keep up. Frankly, uh, the Zoo Tycoon review, the last podcast, Lands of Galzier, the best and worst games of September, Sweet Mess, uh, another Keeple Cole video, Even Fall, Forest Shuffle, and yeah, Forest Shuffle certainly getting some uh, comments on that one because of the uh, slight interesting footprint that's out on the moment, which is the. Uh, big discussion as to whether the game is balanced or not. I don't think it is, despite the other good things about it. A lot, uh, you know, some reviewers have negated to mention anything about the balance, and so you know, you see a lot of eights and nines being thrown around the place when, with no consideration over the scoring phase or the fact that some cards are just generally better than others, which uh, does worry me that some reviewers are willing to just negate and ignore stuff like that. But oh well. Check out my view and you get the honest opinion. And Evenfall, you know, pretty solid also. Uh, Sweet Mess, another solid one. So there's been some good games reviewed, although Zoo Tycoon was a bit of a disappointment overall. Same with City of the Great Machine going back a bit, but there's more on the horizon. I've got, what have I got in the editing room? I've got Art Society. That's, uh, ready, to be That's ready to be edited. Pretty sure I've done another one, but it's hard to... Cater. Sorry, it's not the Devier games, unfortunately. They haven't been. But I'd love to see which ones they are. No, I can't think of which ones else I've done. I know, I think Art Society is probably the next one I need to do. So that'll be impending. But I can now get on and do reviews for Nucleum. So that's going to be a thing. I can do a review for Ceres, uh, the Artipia Games uh, title. I can do a Beyond the Base game video for Art Nova Marine Worlds. Uh, I can do that one. Um, oh, what else? I'm not yet ready to do Cut and Horror. I played it, uh, more on that later, but, uh, you know, I cannot yet review it. Same for Evacuation, I've only played it once. And any others I could review? Uh, I've already done even full. Cirrus, Good and Horror. Yeah, I think, oh, Path of Civilization. Almost ready to review that one. Um, I've, reviewed, I've done it enough from a multiplayer perspective, but I need to play it solo and check out its solo mode. So, yeah, 
Oh boy, there's a lot on the horizon. That's before I even get around to doing maybe a top 10 at some point and, you know, eventually having to do, you know, best of October, you know, that video. And also just trying to get some top 10s going. I keep saying I'm going to do top 10s with some collaborators and I keep putting it off. I am really bad at this. So, yeah, I got to get my ass in gear, as I always have to do at this time of the year. But leading up to Christmas, you are not going to be short of content. And hopefully all will be ready by the time I get to January because that'll be top 100 time. Yes, the top 100 will return, as I said. The last time I did it round September 2022, and it was overrunning into Essen, and it caused me a lot of stress, a lot of burnout. And I said, look, you're, you're either going to get one in a few months' time as a quickie update, or you're going to wait for 14 months for another one. And people were willing to wait until January 24. And so, yes, it's been a bit of a longer gap since the last top 100, so things could shift quite considerably, especially as I'll have had time to play the Essen titles more uh, by now. But also, yeah, you know, that will be a thing come January, February time. So Q1, where most of the board game industry is dead, it'll be good to do the top 100 then. So, yes, that's on the way. Swig of orange, because my throat is still playing up these days. You know, my health is okay at the moment but i've had a throat issue for ages and it's just it's never going away it's it's i don't know if it's vocal cord strain or if it's after effects from occasions where i've forgotten to take my meprazole for too long and it's caused acid reflux and burn the throat i also don't know if it's an after effect of any laryngitis and that i might have had in the past so i don't know what the cause is that's causing me to have a throat that literally does not like me talking for too long and so i am seeing someone I will pop into the GP at some point soon to check it out, see if there's anything they can spot. But I'm going back to the throat consultants, um, uh, the like the hospital I went to privately when I had my gastroscopy two years ago, because uh, they did advise that I should follow this up in two years. And that was two years ago when I had the tube stuck down my throat uh, to reveal my acid reflux problem in the first place. So I'm going back there. I don't have an appointment until later in November, so for at least a couple of episodes down the line. But, you know, I'll see what they have to say. I'll see what the GP has to say and just see what it is I can do because it doesn't feel natural. You know, other people talk a lot too. I don't see them with problems. But since May, June time, it's just been kind of perpetual. And I'm a little bit concerned because it obviously does hinder my ability to do all this. But we'll see. Anyway, so with that aside, HandyCon. Yes, HandyCon. I have you know played a bunch of games at HandyCon, and basically this episode is just me going to go into some basic detail into a bunch of games I've played. I'll try not to speak too much about a particular game, uh, particularly as I'm going to review properly a lot of these games. Therefore, I would just basically talk about a bunch of them and you know see what happens. So. Let's get some people, uh, let's get something on the screen here. Where shall we start? Um, well, I taught Nucleum. And so Nucleum is a game that people have got an interest uh, in, mainly because it's David Turksey and Simon Yusani, and it's a poster child sequel to Brass and Barrage, which are not games that I'm a fan of, let's be frank. Um, Brass I don't like. Barrage, I would be happy if every copy in the world burned in hell now. Like, literally, if it just spontaneously combusted, I would actually sleep better tonight. You know, Barrage is a game I detest. But Nucleum, 
is basically the sort of next thing on and it's pretty much the same theme as brass just replace you know beer with nuclear power i guess you know it's the same sort of deal you're connecting up networks with railways and you're building buildings and you're powering them up and lighting them you know switching on the lights which is essentially the barrage theme sort of aching its way in but otherwise you are basically looking at this as kind of like a brass 2.0 and as you go through this game, you are, you know, getting in each other's faces, you're utilize, you know, maybe utilizing each other's networks or getting or blocking them entirely. But you're trying to achieve these milestones on the left here, which basically every time you light up buildings, you get achievement stars. And then when you do a recharge kind of refuel action, you know, to get a lot of your stuff back, you basically level up this track depending on how well you've done energizing. And there's some milestones to score points for at the end of the game. Uh, the premise, though, is similar to what you've seen in Brass. There's a bunch of buildings I can build. There's a bunch of uh, other things I can build. But here you've got a technology tree, which you can build during the game. There's four different sets. You've got tracks for money and people and victory point income. But of course, you have contracts to achieve, which is always the thing. But my favorite aspect is the action tiles. The action tile system is what kind of makes this game for me. It's really solid for that respect i'm trying to find it specifically i'm not interested in promos but i don't like the card system in brass there's a lot of times when you can get into a situation where you need to do something critical and if you don't do it then you're screwed and a lot of the times it's because you don't have you know a cards available well here your action tiles should be available but it's basically the system where these dual purpose little tiles are used and you can put them down as railway links which means you lose the tile so that's already a multi-use aspect but then also you've got the different actions on them and you place them above your board you'll do both actions but if you put them on the railway line you can do actions of the colors match theme whatever but you know that's just the way it has to be done and you can buy more tiles so you start off with some you know with your letter on them but you can buy more and they've got different effects and you might get lots of energize you might get lots of contract ones and you know, they, you can only get as much off your tracks here as the number of tiles you've played, hence the sort of borderlines. It's a really cool system, and I really... It's definitely my highlight of the game. I think the action tiles is great. It's, it's right up my alley. Now, is the rest of the game any good? Well, I am going to do a full review on this, but let's put it this way. I've played in multiplayer, and I've played it solo. The solo is actually a pretty smooth affair, given that David Turksey normally likes to complicate everything in sight with his solo modes, as well-designed as they are. Uh, but the this one, I felt, was pretty straightforward to use. It didn't feel too problematic. It didn't feel too clunky. You've got some extra rules to learn, yes, and a little bit of a flowchart thing, but... A little logic deck of cards sorts out a lot of the tiebreaker issues, and you can kind of go with the flow as you're playing a solo game at the end of the day. But it replicates a two-player game fairly well, and honestly, I'll play it solo rather than play this two-player, because I think it does benefit from having at least three in the mix. And I've played it with all-player counts. I think three is the sweet spot. So three players, I think this is a three-player game here. Blue, lighter blue and yellow. Yep, this is definitely three-player. I think that's the best setup. You know, you get some stuff blocked, it scales fine, but three players keeps the length to a decent level, but still has you getting in some people's faces. Free, I think, was definitely the sweet spot, and I taught it at free, so that was a good thing. Concerns, some of the technologies, they don't feel very cool. I mean, I'm usually like, ooh, I get to do technology, but here the technologies feel very lackluster. Some of them have very basic abilities, some of them aren't even that good an ability. You get a couple of really cool one-offs, but that's about it. And maybe like a really powerful level 3 tech, 
but that's kind of it. And it's the first game where I actually sort of feel, oh, I get another tech. Yay. You know, and I'm supposed to be like really happy. I get a new technology, something cool. The other problem I have is these contracts. The contracts are a weak link of this game. You basically have, you know, well, what do you think they are? They're contracts that you achieve, you meet the criteria and you achieve them. I mean, that's what all contracts are. But the problem with these contracts, they're here on the right-hand side of the board, is that they come out of this market here, and there's only two of each type on display in all player accounts. That is not enough because they are very swingy. You you take them in order to trigger a little bonus on your board, great, but you can have something just uncover which is perfect for what you've been doing all game and it just basically gives you a really cool bonus, maybe a tech, a lot of points, and you did nothing to earn it because it just happened to be something you wanted. You don't use every contract in the game so it also can mean that you've worked really hard on something and the contract isn't there. <laughs> you know, oh, I bought a lot of houses. Well, what a shame. There's no house contracts in there. I built most of my stuff on Orange because that's where I started. Oh, well, tough. There's no contract that gives you stuff for Orange. Nope, it's not there. Can't have it. Or it might turn up so late in the game that it's not worth it at that point. It's, it, And I've seen people actually potentially win as a result of contracts just favoring them at the right time. And I do feel that more need to be on display. I could house rule this as well because you only have two on display here. I think you could benefit from having, say, three, maybe even four of each type on display. You need to have the options. And I just think two is too limited and swingy. So they are my issues. And I also do feel that the game is a little one note. Like you must light stuff. You must get these achievement stars. You must aim for what these milestone markers are because otherwise you will lose. And it just feels like the game is dictating how you're going to play it. You know, the game has basically said, this is how we're going to score you. Right, do this. And you're like, okay, I'll do it. Can I do something else? No. Well, you, you could, but you'll lose. You know, it's just like, I, that, that kind of irks me a bit. So, so far, so good. People think I'm going to hate this game. I actually don't. But I'll give some more detailed thoughts later. Right, what else have I done? Uh, let's talk briefly about Ark Nova, specifically Marine Worlds. Yes, in fact, the last game in the convention I played today was the Ark Nova Marine Worlds expansion. So, finally, it took me long enough. Well, this is a small expansion to Ark Nova, one of my favorite games of all time, as many people know and probably have got sick and tired of by now. But this basically throws in a lot of new cards, which mostly revolve around sea dwellers. So you've got manta rays and sharks and plankton and all sorts of weird like stuff. And the idea is, is that you basically play Art Nova as always, but these new cards have got new effects. They need aquariums. They help cycle through the, uh, the display more, which is really cool because every time one of these comes out, you have to keep cycling the display through. And I think that's just a really good way to deal with dilution of the deck. But... The most of it is kind of small modules. So the main modules to note, other than just new cool cards, is that you have these new action cards that you draft at the start of the game. And with these action cards, you basically replace two of the ones you started with and um, and go with those. And these have subtle different effects, which is just really cool. So, you know, it's stuff like that that's just really, you know, really decent. But 
those action cards are so much fun to use. I mean, you don't even necessarily need to focus on the whole game, but it's just nice to have something that's asymmetric to you and no one else has, and they'll be different, and there's multiples of each type. That It's just really cool. Um, there's also a new university, which uh, seeks out the first of a particular animal type. That's a very good university to get, so suddenly it's uh, a little bit harder to gauge which of the four unis now that you're going to have for your free slots. It's uh, you know pretty cool in that respect. Um, this screenshot here is a lot of the old cards, but they basically culled all these ones from the base game for a new icon that basically deals more with species and habitat diversity because you have to deal with sea dwellers and stuff. So it's a cleaner system. Um, they've also changed the action cards so that you don't have this long-winded explanation about reputation range. It's just an icon now, which is fine if you play the game regularly enough. Otherwise, you might get caught out by that. But the main thing I like is that they have changed some of these to be balanced. Uh, not all of them. I mean, most of these are just icons. But these uh, brown cards and the large animals uh, green card have been balanced to be easier to do because they were too difficult before. Uh, the conservation zoo has now been made easier. Large animal zoo, now easier. Um, uh, climbing park, aquatic park, research zoo. Oh, no, actually, no. Aquatic park and climbing park have been made easier. So you don't need as many of the water and rock icons. Research Zoo has been made slightly harder to max out. You now need seven to get four points, not six. And Sponsored Zoo has been made slightly easier as well, which are kind of a bit of an odd one, that one, because I usually don't have that much trouble getting ten sponsors. But they've made it slightly easier, so fine. And, you know, what I can't get is why they didn't make Naturalist Zoo easier. Because nature, who picks Naturalist Zoo when they play Ark Nova? It's such a hard objective to do well with. And I just don't see why people would choose it. And why they couldn't just simply redo that one. Maybe make it a bit more... Maybe make it so you didn't need to have so much empty space on it. I don't know. But yeah, it just seemed a little bit of an odd one, that. But, you know, I digress. But suffice to say... If you love Ark Nova, you're going to love this expansion. It just adds more to good stuff. You know, the wooden tokens are a nice upgrade. Although, the wooden tokens for, like, your animal types, you know, the markers on your board, they're only for the bonuses on your board, and and that's it. They don't replace the cubes. So I've got these better-looking markers for your bonuses, but then I need to use my Etsy markers, which are a different animal type, to replace the cubes. So I've got a bit of a mismatch of components. Um, but I do like the new resource, uh, not resource, um, reputation, appeal, and uh, conservation markers that they use in this expansion. They are an improvement, and I would use those all the time. A few extra bonus tiles, a couple of aquarium pieces. You know, it's mostly all the good stuff, and yeah, I love it. It's a great expansion. I want to use it every time I play Ark Nova now. The question is, would I teach it? I don't know. Teaching it with the expansion, I think there would maybe be too much for people to take. Or I would definitely tailor it so that we maybe didn't use the improved action cards. Or tailored it so that the bonus tiles for getting across the conservation track were nice straightforward ones. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough cool. But I do really like this. So if I'm playing this with people who know Ark Nova well enough, I'm going to throw this expansion in. Uh, without fail. It's just really, really solid. All right. Uh, what else? Let's see. Take a swig. What are we going to do next? Let's talk about something that I wasn't as keen on. Uh, San Coro. Now, I'm not reviewing this one. Uh, this was a demo at uh, uh, HandyCon, uh, done by one of the designers, in fact. You know, lovely bloke. Um, 
No? What the? It was Sankoro, right? Sankoro, is that how you spell it? Oh, Sankor. I don't know. Sankor, the pride of Misa Musa, Mansa Musa. They explain the history. You know, Man Mandela was the name. And, you know, they explain the history. And it's an interesting history. I mean, it's about um, a university in 14th century Timbuktu. And when you explain the story in the background, I was kind of interested, actually. It was intriguing. But, uh, yeah, this I was didn't know much about. And it's a very pretty game. I mean, it's got Ian O'Toole's artwork, which, you know, is great for making something look fairly pretty or at least clean. Although there's still a lot of busyness on some of the bits on here. But, you know, at least the graphic design isn't too tricky. But this is not a direct sequel to Merv. It's just got that look of Merv, you know. And it's also got one of the shared designers. But this is a very different game to Merv. But take a note of this time frame here. Two and a half to three hours. That is not a misprint. This game took us about two and a half to three hours to finish, and I think that is way too long for what this game is. But this game plays out like a kind of weird version of Trajan, which is kind of worrying because I don't like Trajan. But Trajan was a Mancala mechanic, I think. Oh yeah, Mancala mechanic. But then it had like a little Rondell thing, but it had all these little mini games. So you went over to this area and you played this little mini game. You went over here and you played this mini game. Well, this one kind of feels like that. You know, if you do the theology one, you're basically leveling up into these areas and collecting books. Well, if you do the maths one, you've got this little grid that you're concerned about, the city. If you do the uh, astronomy uh, classes, then you're moving along this map with your camel and sort of uh, putting tents down. It's, it does have that kind of Trajan-y feel. It looks gorgeous. I mean, I love these, like, books and stuff. You know, for an Osprey Games title, the uh, component quality is sound. But I enjoyed it. At first, the idea that you needed different students to do these classes, uh, the theme was represented fairly well for what was a fairly mechanical game. Um, I like the fact that I had, you know, a lot of meat, uh, meaty decisions to think about. And obviously, like, how am I going to tailor the resources with this whole circular resource thing? You know, like, I need to do this area in order to get the resource that's good for this area and stuff. And, you know, the scoring can be tight among some players. But here's a few problems I have. First off... Uh, the book scoring. There's a library shelf up here at the top of the board, and there's no picture of it, unfortunately, but these books, when you spend them, they go in the library, and basically, depending on what side of the library they're on, they uh, you know, score a certain amount of points if they're the majority book in the shelf. And you collect these stars as you go through the game, and these stars, or whatever they're called, um, basically score points based on what point value there is on the shelf. Sounds good on paper, no pun intended, but... The problem is, is that you typically focus on a couple of areas in this game. You ideally should tap into each one a little bit. For, for the most part, you're going to focus on one, maybe two areas. And the book scoring dictates how worthwhile all that was. So you might start focusing like I did on astronomy areas. So I was doing a bit on this map. But then the books in the library don't score much for astronomy because somebody is put doing maths a lot and theology and those books are dominating some of the shelves and they're getting a bunch of stars for them so do i continue going down my route even though it's you know suboptimal or do i switch to their stuff okay cool i'll switch to the other classes the problem is doing that means that your actions your actions get better and better as you do each one well if i switch and go to a different thing my actions are going to be rubbish and so while everybody else who's rich get richer leaders get all the cool stuff I'm there doing really basic, boring actions, 
with no way of getting out of it. And that's a big issue here. There isn't really a catch-up mechanism here. If you start off badly, or if you go down a route, and then it all goes a bit pear-shaped for that route, you're done. There's no way you'll get the points back. You have to, your, your area has to be doing well. And lo and behold, the two people I was playing with who drew victory were the ones where everything just started well for them. Even the person who came second, you know, started off well and continued to do really well. But because my books got forgotten, basically, partway through the game, I had no way to pull it back. And so it's just a few things like that. Turn downtime can be pretty frustrating. I mean, we had a very slow player in our game, which didn't help. Uh, the designer pretty much played her entire game, which was uh, a little bit frustrating. It's like, come on, if you're going to sign up for a demo and play it, at least make an effort to make your own decisions. But I don't know. It's it's both. It's got that history setting and stuff, but it's still a fairly you know mechanical game through and through. I like. I sort of like. I don't know. These issues are a problem, and there's more issues I have besides. Uh, check out my Instagram feed for a big write up I did about this, but. I do think that there's some balance issues as well. I mean, there's a couple of things. You you can get tiles to uh, give you stuff when you do a particular action. And there are some that just give you stars. Run the engine, you get a star of that color. That's insane. It's normally hard to get stars, and this one just generates them for you. And, and, and then you've also got the fact that I don't think the astronomy section is particularly powerful. I mean, the, pers the people who were winning were doing so well on maths and theology. Getting all the books and being able to do stuff with them, or getting the uh, tiles that basically generate stars willy-nilly for them. And maths, I mean, you dominate this grid, it's very difficult to do much else about it, and you get cool stuff for it. I don't know, I just... I feel like if you start badly in this, you're there for the long haul, and it's not fun when that happens. So I'll try it again maybe one day because it could just be, uh, you know, first game bad impressions. But I don't know. I I wasn't blown away by this, and nor were some friends of mine either. And they were big Merv fans. So that's saying something. But I don't know. I'll give it another try. I'll give it another try if I see it. But I don't know. It just wasn't really something that blew me away. And I know some people have been like, oh, is this one really good because I really like Merv? temper your expectations it's gonna have some fans but i wasn't one right all right little backup uh, battery there let's move on to evacuation i will probably review this but the thing that's putting me off reviewing it anytime soon is two things firstly i've only played it once it's quite a heavy game the second thing is that this isn't a review copy i literally had to buy this from my own cash delicious games uh, don't seem to really give me any review copies and, you know, I just have to sort of buy it and get to it when I do. So let's just say other games have got priorities. <laughs> you know, the ones who are review copies or the ones that I can get played a lot sooner. But I was meant to teach this and there was just no way I was going to be able to learn this anytime soon. It just wasn't going to happen. So thankfully, Mike Nudd um, uh, decided to teach us the game. Very grateful for that. So now I've got a good idea of how to teach it to other people and maybe attempt the solo mode. But Evacuation is the next game from Vladimir Suhi and Delicious Games. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's combination again. Now, this uh, combination of designer and publisher has been hit and miss for me because I don't particularly like... Uh, I liked it okay, but rating has gone down. I wasn't a big fan of Woodcraft. Praga Kaput Regne is 
fine. It's nothing particularly interesting, but it's not bad either. It just does the job. Messina is just bone dry and just a weird mechanical mess, really. But it's it's okay. I don't mind it, but it, it, like I say, it didn't really impress me. But I love Underwater Cities. Underwater Cities is a fantastic game from this duo and definitely the magnum opus. Well, Evacuation, where does it sit after one play? Uh, pretty damn good, actually. Uh, I don't think it's going to beat Underwater Cities, but uh, it's probably my second favorite they've done. The idea is, is that you basically have, as per this board, two planets, Old World and New World. And the idea is, is that you've got all these resource-generating things on the Old World, but the planet's dying. You've kind of exhausted everything, or it's going to blow up. I've forgotten entirely what the theme is all about. But you kind of forget some of that by the time you're playing the game. And the idea is, is that you're supposed to transport a bunch of this stuff to the new world and settle people and factories there to generate stuff in the new world and get victory points. Interesting idea. Kind of like a terraforming Mars, but you actually get there first. And the way it works is that you basically... Let's see. Uh, let's see if I can find a board here. Uh, no, no more of the strepsils. Well, I'll try and do it from this picture here. So... You've got this action board in front of you. It's got some technologies unique, uh, semi-unique to you that you can level up. And we, you can play this in two modes. A race variant, where you race to a certain criteria and the game ends, or points variant. We played the points variant. I've heard people aren't a fan of the race variant. Although I will try it, because after all, got to try these modes for review. But also the designer intended it to be a race game. And then Eurogamers complained and said they wanted a points mode. So, you know, fussy, aren't they? But I got to try them. The other thing we also did, and this was on my request, is that we use these action cards. Because you normally only have four actions at the bottom of your board. And they're split into various uh, choices. But that's kind of it. And they seem pretty basic. And I wasn't a big fan of just using them. The advanced variant in this game gives you a hand of action cards, which utilize you know, different types of actions and various effects, but with some variances now and again, but you draw a hand of four and you always have four as options, but you can also use the basic actions on your board if need be. And that I just thought really I would not want to play without. You know, I feel that if I was playing without those cards, this would be a much lesser game. And I know they do it as a kind of introduction game and a variant, an advanced variant, but Frankly, if you're going to design a complicated game and you know it's complicated, why don't you just accept it and, you know, roll with it and just say, look, this is the game, it's complex, deal with it. I mean, you're not going to teach this to new gamers. You're not going to teach this to medium weight gamers. You're going to teach this to heavy gamers. So why would you do anything but? Just seems a little ridiculous. But that being said, is the game fun? I did enjoy it. Um, this weird slingshot thing that you got going around the planets is incredibly abstract i mean like i say the theme is lost on a lot of stuff here you move these progression markers but you've got two of them and where you land on the colored symbols enables you to go to various hexes on the new world why i have no idea there is literally no thematic reason for it it's just literally a mechanic but it is a fun mechanic i mean you know, when you play your actions, you add up the power level of these actions and they're different numbers. And the power level is how much you've got to move these markers. But there's things to consider about how far and how fast you move them. But you have to do the full movement. On top of that, you've also got some uh, mini objective here where you have essentially two bonuses you can aim for. But you have to play your power levels exact to the number in order to get them. That's a stupid rule. 
The idea that you've got to do it exact to the number, that just is heavily restricted, you know, heavily restrictive. And so we played what is officially in the book as the generous variant, where you have to get that power level or lower. I strongly advise you always play with that variant. I mean, these are power actions that range from one to four. And you're telling me that I, when I play, say, anywhere between three to six typical actions in a round, you're advising that I should balance them in such a way that not only do they achieve what I want to do, but also exactly match this one number on a card. Screw you. I'll take the generous variant, thanks. So I'm going to play this with the action cards. I'm going to play this with that variant. And I'm going to be glad about it. Uh, but the game itself, I enjoyed those you know, the technologies you get can give you some really cool abilities. Uh, the action cards are great. I like, you know, the, the mechanics of some of this stuff is not thematic, but it is a good laugh. Uh, but what I quite liked, and it's a bit of a logistical mind... mind I can't say it for swear words, but you know what I mean. It's a bit of a mind-bender in order to get over the concept that you have this old world and a new world, and where you produce resources goes on those worlds. So just because you've got food on the old world doesn't mean that you can spend it on the new world to do stuff that costs food. You have to airlift it over on ships, which is something else you've got to do as actions and spend on. Cool concept, and it makes sense. But yeah, the, the whole juggling of where you've got resources and where you can spend them from and stuff is, uh, yeah, it's going to burn your brain cells a bit. But I found it enjoyable. We, you know, we played a bit of a slow game. We had a slow player again. And, you know, even I was struggling for the first third of the game because... Some negatives of this game is that the iconography and the rulebook is not brilliant. The rulebook is fine, but it's very difficult to reference anything in it. And the iconography is a little bit confusing at times. And there's some key rules that are not mentioned. Here, this new world, every time you put down one of your strip as people, you have to pay a steal, right? You have to pay a steal resource, and there's free resources in the game. There is nothing on this board that tells you that they cost a steal. You just have to remember that. Could they have not put a simple icon somewhere that said minus one steel streps or whatever? I don't know. But they put some other useless icons on the board, and yet they just miss out key stuff like that. You'd think they would sort of look into it more. There's also this unformatic thing about building stadiums to keep them happy, and this has a thing about turn order and some a few pretty inconsequential points at the end of the game, and it just seems a wasted mechanic shoved in. You know, it's there to... You're forced to do it in order to get good turn order, but you're also forced to do it because you get penalized if you don't feed your people and if you don't have enough stadiums in the new world. But other than that, at the end of the game, I think the one who has the most gets six points and then it's four and then two and then nothing. It's not a big differential when you can end up with 100 plus points easily. So it just seems like a wasted mechanic and a wasted thing that didn't need to be considered. And I also think I kind of broke the game in a sense. I had an objective that was just simply... You get end of uh, end of game gold cards. And mine was do well on food production. So I basically made myself the cornflakes manufacturer and did nothing but build food factories and get lots of food production. And by the end of the game, I had 23 food production or something, or maybe even more than that. And so I got 23 points from the objective that said one point for every food production and plus something for, you know, plus bonuses you've reached certain levels. There are a lot of objectives for the end game that aren't as easy to achieve and not as lucrative as that. So... I don't know, that just felt a little bit too easy for, you know, for what I had. And I dominated the points as a result. I mean, I just was able to buy so much. I had so much food pouring out of my ears. I had an engine that was roaring a lot better than other people's. So, that was a little concern. 
But yeah, maybe it's it's just that other than that, it's mainly just that the rulebook is not particularly great and the iconography is not the most intuitive. Uh, the rules are not that intuitive. There's a few micro rules like, oh, you do this and this and this, except in these situations. And so the game is one that you really want to be taught by someone who knows the game well. And they're going to have an advantage over you. But to learn this from the rulebook, uh, to just simply read the rules and then try to teach it, you're going to encounter some issues. It's not going to be easy, uh, particularly if you're using the advanced variant and that. So be warned. But the game was fun. And I do look forward to playing it. And I especially look forward to trying out the solo mode. The race variant... Oh, take or leave. I mean, you play the same game. It's just you reach free criteria, and I think the first person to do it stops the game. Okay, you don't have even turns. Deal with it. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but you don't want to. You don't want to play the race variant. Play the points variant. It works just as well. So, yeah, I look forward to giving this more plays. But so far, positive vibes. Just a bit of a learning curve. Ah, get the drink in. Right, what's next? Oh, what next? Ooh, um, again, I want to be careful because I'm reviewing some of these, although I didn't really play any new games from other people. I mean, I was taught Evacuation and Sankoro, and that was about it, really. I mean, other games I played, I, I played Hegemony, because let's face it, Hegemony is always getting played at every convention I go to, and after a bit of a tedious Saturday, I mean, I, I played Sankoro Saturday morning, and I didn't particularly enjoy it, so that took up three hours of my day. Then I was meant to teach uh, a game that fell through. So that was a bit of a shame. So that wasted another hour and a bit messing around with that. And then I got uh, taken into a Terraforming Mars game for three players, which should have been pretty easy. Unfortunately, it had all the expansions for it. In fact, yeah, let me talk about that, actually. Terraf well, I'll talk about that after Hegemony. So, yeah, I got pulled into a Terraforming Mars. Three players should have been relatively short, even with the expansions in with three of us. One person was new, had only played Ares Expedition before, and was pretty slow. And the game dragged on because of Venus, a stupid expansion, but I'll get to that. So, wasn't having the best of days. Then we played Hegemony, and all was well. <laughs> Hegemony is just such a fantastic game. I mean, I think I gave it a 9 out of 10 originally, because I was sort of like, you know, a couple of bits here and there, and it is a learning curve. But I think for me personally, this is a 10 out of 10 game. I just love it. I absolutely love this game, and I love to play it. I played the middle class. And for once, I tried to win as the prosperity thing. I know that's what they're supposed to do, you know, level up this prosperity track, but I seem to struggle with it at times. So the past times I've won with the middle class have been by high export. So getting all your companies up and just selling a ton of stuff as export and getting a lot of end game points while trying to keep up with the bills and the policies. Well, this time I said, no, I'm going to go full prosperity and it's going to work or not. A uh, bit of back and forth with the working class. I mean, we were really... Uh, tussling back for points but eventually did it yes i succeeded with the prosperity thing i did it well and from endgame scoring overtook and i think i had somewhere like 130 odd points and that's probably a record for me i don't think i've had as high as that before so yeah i was pretty pleased with that but oh man i love this game we tried it with the historical events as well this little mini expansion um hit or miss i could take or leave them i mean we had an interesting setup. Basically, you have an event for every round and pre-setup, and it gives you an effect, but a trigger, which requires you to trigger it in order to do the effect, and usually a requirement. The setup one is just setup, and it allowed us to all propose a bill. Okay, that's pretty cool. So we did. But then you get these requirements that are 
quite tricky to achieve at times. And if you don't have the requirement, then the whole event is pointless. It doesn't do anything. The events are also a little bit swingy. Like, you know, the first round had us saying, right, if the working class can get a trade union out and these other bits are in effect, which they were, then you reset off the policies to these different levels. The capitalist has to give one of their companies to the public state for money, but basically has to give one of them away. And the working class gets some other sort of little bonus and stuff. And But nothing for the middle class and nothing for the state. So they get to do this stuff with the event, but the other classes don't. So it would be nice if the events kind of included all the classes and didn't just sort of help one of them but dick over another. They add a bit of swinginess to a game that doesn't need them. And honestly, as much as they can have some cool effects and change up the game a bit, I don't think they were fought out that well in the design process. And honestly, I would play with them if they were there just to see if any other cool combos can come up. But I mean, we only had two in terms of the rounds, we had the setup and round one do something. Nothing happened for round two, three, four, and five. So they were mostly wasted. And so I just think they're not worth it. I mean, get the expansion so you can play it solo. But other than that, I think the solo mode is really the only reason you get the expansion crisis and control. But I love Hegemony. Fantastic. Still enjoyed it. Brilliant game. So Terraforming Mars. Right. So Terraforming Mars had all the trimmings. Now, here's my uh, thing about the expansions, okay? Um, Terraforming Mars has a bunch of expansions, most of which aren't worth having. Venus is a complete waste of space. Venus is basically a subtract that you can do and a bunch of cards with a different tag and these floaters, which are like another thing like microbes. But Venus is a bad expansion because it basically can take somebody away from terraforming mars which means that the end game trigger takes forever and they put in this rule saying that at the end of your turn you should artificially move a progression marker it's not good enough it doesn't make it fast enough because if somebody like in our case the slow player focused entirely on venus stuff they would not progress in the end of the game apart from that whole move one bit each generation it's not enough and so we had to house rule, and I think you should put this house rule in your games, people, that you need to have the Venus track be one end game trigger. So instead of having to get all the oceans and the oxygen and the temperature sorted, you now have to get three or four triggers enabled. The oxygen, the temperature, the oceans, and the Venus track. Three out of four of those are achieved, end the game. Because it would have dragged on much longer if we hadn't put that house rule in. We, we took And it took like three hours plus. And this is with three players. It was a long game. Not worth it. Colonies. It's okay, but it elongates the game. And it makes power and... and uh, what do they call them? Oh, the black stuff. Titanium. Makes them more powerful than they were before. And they're already really powerful things to get. You know, they're you know the titanium is relatively easy to just munchkin like crazy. And so that's not particularly uh, an expansion I like to use, but I can take or leave colonies. I don't mind if it's in the game. I would actively request that Venus is not. Prelude is the best expansion for Terraforming Mars by far. You know, starting setup changes, different corpse and all that. Small box and that's all you need. And Prelude 2 shouldn't be on Kickstarter, but just get it. So Turmoil. Most people aren't saying good things about this one. And I am not bloody surprised because this expansion is a waste of space. You basically have a few, uh, you have these, uh, let's see, come on, get rid of the things, let's have the board, right, see, you've got the Senate board here with these 
sort of people head minis that you can put on the board. There's six different political parties, and each one has a chance of being in power based on influence and how many people you've got in each seat. And it's voted on at the end of the round or generation. And so the parties do two things. Firstly, you can get a little bit of income for certain things, like the Scientist Guild can give you money for science tags. The Green Party can give you money for you know plant, microbe, and animal tags, that sort of thing. But they also have a special ability that goes off when they're in power. So if you are the Green Party, and I was going heavy on Green Party because I was trying to go for trees. And so you get four bucks rebate if you plant a tree. So because I was playing Credit Core with cards I drafted at the start that basically said that I would refund seven of my money if I played any standard project with 20 or more cost... Um, I basically, every time I got the Green Party in effect, was spamming out trees because in combination, it meant that I was basically reimbursing 11 of my money every time I made a tree. So I created my own tree paradise. The Titanium player didn't really do a lot on the map, did a few cities and did his own Titanium space event thing. As for the Venus player, barely even touched the Terraforming Mars map at all, apart from a random Phobos space base, did everything to do with Venus. So it wasn't really much of a terraformed planet except for the small segment I was in where I surrounded, I think, three cities with trees and scored a bajillion points from it. But the turmoil board is just another action that elongates the game because it's more actions that you can do in a round. It... It can be impossible for one player to win on it at times because two of them, the two of them wanted unity in power. So they were actively trying to put unity in charge, whereas I didn't want it. I wanted the Green Party in. But the problem is, it's, it's almost impossible to fight two people head on on the political system. So this expansion already is broke with odd numbers of players. You need an even number of players that can do direct opposition. But if two people want to go for a party and you're the odd one out... Good luck doing well on this board. But on top of that, these events, there's an event that comes out each round, and you can see what one of them is going to be ahead of time. But basically, some they usually require, they give you some benefit or they give you some penalty. And they can be significant benefits, and they can be some insane penalties, like paying 10 bucks if you don't have two floaters, or, you know, titanium players get to have, you know, three or four uh, money per titanium space symbol they've got or something like that but it's random so your strategy might be trees and then an event comes out that says if you've got a bunch of space events and you're titanium based you're going to get a lot of cool stuff well great well it's not like i can suddenly get a bunch of that by the time the event triggers and matey person over there who's been doing titanium all game is going to get a bunch of free stuff and there's nothing you can do about it you can't change the events they just turn up and happen it's uh, this is a stupid expansion there's no reason for it. It elongates the game by a good 30 minutes. It's just more rules that are just fiddly. It's random. It doesn't fit the theme of the game. You're talking about terraforming Mars. Why have we thrown in a weird political senate here? I mean, you get a few extra corpse. Great. These translucent little mini-men thing, they're quite cool. That's literally it. I never want to play with this expansion again. Burn it. It's a pointless expansion. And I, to this day... If I ever buy Terraforming Mars, because I've warmed up to the game a bit more now, but if I ever buy Terraforming Mars, I guarantee you I am not bothering with these extra maps. There's no real point to them, but maybe I'll buy them if they're cheap. Um, I would just stick with the base game and get Prelude and Prelude 2. Not Colonies, not Venus, not even the Turmoil 1. Nope. Just get base and Prelude and Prelude 2. And you would have a condensed, quick version of... A terraforming Mars that wouldn't take forever, would be easier to teach, would still give you the same feel, and 
it would just be so much better. The expansions just do not help this game. Right. Uh, what else you want to know about some S and stuff, don't you? Well, I'll give you some thoughts on Kutner Horror. I also taught that this morning. And let's see, how many more games can I do with my voice? Mm, I reckon I can do two more. All right, two more of note. Let's do Kutner Horror. So Kutner Horror, the City of Silver. This one I will be reviewing officially. But I need to give it some more plays. So, this one is not the best looking game from the cover. I mean, it is pretty uh, dull. That's not exactly a funky looking cover. So it looks like something that's going to be bland. It doesn't even look like something that should be from CGE, frankly. But, first time designers, and who have a passionate thing about this history. So, uh, a Czech city uh, discovered silver and suddenly became rich through mining. I don't know the full story. Frankly, I'm not that into history anyway. But... The idea with this is it's a Euro game, so it basically has a, you know, the typical Euro thing of building buildings and paying resource money and that. But it revolves around these two pricing stands, and suffice to say, the iconography in this could be better. I mean, you've got silver and metal here, and it's tricky to tell them apart at times, particularly the fact that this photo brings it out more. But when you have it in the light, one is dark, one is black, and the other one is like a faded grey, and sometimes it just gets a bit... Uh, hard to tell them apart. These stands are also, they're not too fiddly, but pulling these sliders, they do get stuck quite a bit. And so you do have to jiggle them around. And I, I feel like it could have been done slightly better. But I'll tell you what, this should be an app. CGE have done some stellar apps in the past. I would love and even pay money to get an app for this game that handles the price market. You know, you put it on your phone. Well, you wouldn't be able to put it on your phone. It would need to be on display, but you could have it on a tablet at the side of the table and you just take your tablet there or a really big screen phone and what you do or you could have it so that you log into a room and so you can see like from your individual device what the pricing market is but something where you literally just keyed in a couple of buttons and it updates the price market for you that would be really cool get on that i want to see a companion app for this game that does the pricing market and i will pay you money for it honestly it would really be cool but the idea is is you're in charge of three guilds and these guilds are mixed up over these six that you see here and the idea is is that when you do stuff in the game like build buildings of various guilds or do mining you affect those pricing stands these cards keep cycling and the sliders keep moving and it changes the price for income and payment things you know you don't get resources you produce them as income and when you pay for anything in this game, whether it's wood or you know, stuff like that, or permits, the cost is influenced by what you produce. And you're going to have to buy wood on a regular basis, but you're also going to need to buy permits. But then you need to produce and sell things like metal and beer and food um, at a decent rate. And that depends on what you people build. Because if you build stuff and put it on the market then this demand is lower because the supply is higher and so the price comes down but how long can you not build these how long before you think i need to build these at some point and produce something and so it's not direct interaction but you're interested in what the players do because they impact this pricing market so much the rest of the game is kind of your standard euro fare i mean you dig down into these mines and there's better pieces than this i think this is a prototype they use this thing called rewood which is like recycled wood the sculpts made out of this are great i really like them although i don't know off the top of my head how uh you know this is like the sculpts that they've got here and they are they are much better up close i mean this photo is not doing them justice 
But how like green is this rewood? I don't know because I don't really know the process. But I would like to see more of it. But the idea is, is that you have these six cards in your hand. And you will play five of them in the round in batches of two and in a batch of one. So three turns. And the idea is, is that they're dual use, so you have to pick which action you do. So you've already got this thing that if you use one card, you're going to negate one of the other actions. So there's this whole multi-use uh, tense decision thing. But the hopefully the laptop noise isn't too uh, much here. But the idea is, is that you build these buildings in such a way that the icons on them match what's on adjacent buildings and this can come from other players come from your buildings it could come from public buildings and the public buildings are very useful to build but they don't generate income so you have to build them a bit later and so this is one way to do well and get points but then you can also dig down into the mine shafts to get more silver production and you get points for each row based on what's the star rating of the mine shafts and how many you've got and they, there's points at the end of the game for it you don't score that many points during the game. You you get most of them at the end, but there are some that you can earn now and again. But the other cool thing is that because each player has free guilds that they're in charge of, you're thinking, well, I can't do much to affect the permit prices. These two can. When are they going to build something that's going to affect the permit price? Do I plan for that? Do I get the permits now? Do I wait till they're cheaper? How long is it going to be before they are cheaper? There's a couple of little things like a reputation track and, you know, like you got to plot, you got to claim the land and then you got to build on it and stuff, which is really cool. There's a cool kind of silver foily effect to the cards and some of these buildings. It makes it look quite pretty and stuff. It, it makes it look prettier on the table than the photos and the sort of black and brown, black and grayness of it would have you believe. The scoring is also, you know, particularly tight in this game. I mean, wow. You know, you can unlock these patrician tokens in order to score points in like four different ways but bad we finished with like five points i think between first and last and i won by a one point victory it's a tight tense game and it's got a tight market tight economy the decision of what cards you play is a tense one this has given me some very good first impressions i need to play it more see how it does at two player with this whole event deck thing i don't know if i'll get a chance to play it two player but we'll have to see and also see how it plays with free maybe you know because four player certainly influences the market a lot does free player have a similar thing but it it was a really cool game um i tried to teach it from mostly having only read the rule book and i did pretty well but there were a couple of things that were tripping me up but i've now got them solidified so it's not a complex game the rules are fairly straightforward but you've got to get your head around some of the iconography um the iconography is not bad but you know, there were a couple of times where people thought they were building one thing and then built another because, you know, you've got the wood icon and then the rest of the you know, the wood guild is colored in such a way that's quite similar to the beer uh, buildings. And if you miss the shield, then you could end up thinking you've got the one building when you haven't. It tripped a couple of players up quite considerably. And until they got used to that, it was a little bit of a minefield. But you know, it's just a few concepts that are unique to this game that you need to kind of get used to. I'm also a little curious about the Santa Barbara Church, this thing at the top of the board. You can use a card action and some pelican tokens to basically do stuff on it. The power level of some of the bonus you get from it, though, are quite considerably wide. So I'm a little concerned that that might be a little bit imbalanced, but we'll have to see after more plays. Other than those little niggles, though, was really impressed. And, you know, the people liked it, too. I can't wait to play it again. I think it's solid. I was looking forward to this highly. My expectations were high. 
so far it's meeting them for the most part but i gotta try it some more because this is a game that's going to really i think depend on the people you play with and we will see more but so far so good right one more game let's see um uh, da, da, da. take a drink let's see i've already done nucleum i've done cut the horror uh did art nova uh what else did i teach uh, Ceres. I could talk about Ceres. What else was there? I'm sure there was... I didn't do Evenfall. And I've done a review for Evenfall, so you can check that one out. Um, maybe it was Ceres. Because Evacuation I pulled out on. I am, for the love of me, trying to figure out which games they were. Oh, Art Society, I taught that one. But I, that review is going to go up very shortly, so I won't talk about that. So I guess I'll do Ceres. Last game of the channel, I'll do Ceres. So, Ceres, this is our Tipio Games' new uh, uh, Euro. Medium weight. I thought it was going to be heavier than it actually was. It's actually pretty medium weight. And the idea is, is that this is basically a dwarf planet or a big asteroid. I forget the uh, exact um, thing of it. It mentions it in the book. but And I don't know if it's pronounced Ceres. It's certainly not pronounced Ceres. Or, but I don't know if it's like Keres or Cheres or Ceres. You know, it's got some weird pronunciation maybe, but... You know, people don't recognize the name when you mention it. But the idea is, is that this game is essentially a worker placement game uh, with two sets of workers. You have workers yourself, which go on these locations and all the trigger actions. But then you also have a pool of workers that sit in the living quarters and fly in on ships. And they're colored workers that you use to activate your buildings that you have in front of you that you've built during a game. You can get more of them, but they basically trigger cool effects and they're color coded to the meeples. So... A slight word of warning if you're colorblind it could be a little bit weird trying to tell them apart but the leaders that you've got can let you like trigger trade actions on the bonus tile that uh, there's a an amac center kind of like the political thing which sadly is not very political it's just basically get some favor tokens which are quite expensive to acquire and a lot of people just didn't really bother with them but they allow you to do other location actions but one thing they do let you do is launch mining probes into this like three layered ring thing which you twist at the start of each round to represent asteroids in orbit which is cool it reminds me of um reminds me of, i forget the name of the game but it was a game where you had uh asteroids in orbit and they were going round and round and round so you had to plan when you could get to an asteroid and mine it it felt like power grid but it was a uh, one about asteroid mining i can't for the life of me think of what it was don't have to worry about you can put it in the comments for other people, but I'm pretty sure I could find it afterwards. But it was an okay-ish game. It wasn't that great, but suffice to say, you've got something similar here. So you can only fly from these two segments next to your planet, and it costs you a certain amount of ice to get to various ones, but these get you production bonuses, much like a bunch of your buildings. And so it's resource management as well. But the turns are pretty straightforward. I mean, you use one of these workers or you use one of your lo um, location meeples, basically. And you can research and get some extra little technologies. You can achieve a, um, like special... Uh, I hate to use the word contracts because an expansion did it there. But basically, these achievement cards. Um, you can do trades. You can build more of these buildings. You can get those favor tokens, as I mentioned. You can go into the asteroid a lot. Or you could say, you know what? I'm going to do what I did in the game, which was construct a ton of these outbuildings and use the workers to get your stuff. It's a cool system. It's pretty it looks more complicated on the table than it actually is and it's a big board this is a 
heavy table presence game, I do warn you. But the components look good. The art is pretty striking. I mean, it really does stand out on the table and get people going, ooh. I mean, the backdrop of the Ceres, uh, you know, Dual Planet and Mars there with the asteroid spinning wheel really does make this stand out. It's a good contrast of, you know, the, the, the sort of browns and blacks of space and Ceres coupled with like the redness of Mars and all those colored buildings in front of you. It's a really good thing. Now, I didn't play with any of the mini expansions, but I would like to try the Mars Contracts one. It looks pretty cool. You essentially can sign up to a contract and it tells you how to trigger the, the what effect you have to do, a passive effect. And once you do it, you get these cool bonuses with that particular contract. And this could help guide new players, but I think it just gives you some cool new options. Don't particularly care about the Comets one. It seems too much of a faff. I don't quite fully grasp the rules of it. I would take or leave it was in the game, but honestly, it's something that I'm not really going to bother learning. I just think it's, I think the Mars contracts sound better. But yeah, this one has impressed me so far. I mean, the, you know, I was heavy construction in one game and then I tried, you know, to do more to do with flying around in the asteroids. There's different ways that you can approach things and certainly the outbuildings that you get are going to be a factor. Uh, you know, what meeples are available, which ones fly in because you've got a pool of them. And then you've got new ones potentially added from the ship, but it's a limited uh, pool. First round, it's not usually a big deal. Second and third round, it is. And yeah, it's only three rounds, but blimey, you'd be surprised how long it takes to finish the round. It's deceivingly longer than it looks, but it's not the longest game in the world. I mean, what does it say on BGG? It says uh, 90 to 120 minutes. That's about right. I mean, four players, you are looking at taking about two hours to play this game, but it doesn't feel like two hours you know you the the rounds are long but i didn't feel like it was outstaying its welcome i felt it was just about the right time for a medium weight game and i would certainly like to see if it's worth playing solo because it does have a little ai thing in it so i need to play it solo as well but i need to give this one more plays before i can review it but so far positive it's not the meatiest game ever um but it's not a lightweight game either there's definitely some you know, some meat to it, but it's not that complicated. It will do the job for a medium weight worker placement game. It's sort of unique in a way. The fact that you've got the two pools of workers and the asteroid mining thing. I mean, yes, that theme's been done before, but I feel this one is at least trying something different. And it's definitely a different style of game from what Artipia Games typically puts out. So I'll be interested to see what other reviewers think of this one because there's been very little talk about it which is why I probably should try and talk about it relatively soon because there just really isn't a lot of content for this. I mean, when you look at the videos, most of the videos are how-to-plays or European videos or preview videos which aren't worth watching at this point. So, you know, there's very little in terms of a proper rule, um, so proper review. So maybe I should get on this one stat because, yeah, preview, preview, preview. I don't care if it's a preview and... You know, you can't call something a review when it was done at preview stage. That doesn't work like that. So, you know, I'll be interested to see. And like I say, if you want to know my thoughts, I will get on with it because it is a review copy. So I will give my uh, full honest review. There we go. That is all, I think all, or at least the vast majority of the main games I played at HandyCon and a lot of Essen titles there. Those are my first impressions of some of those games uh, and some shall we say, not spoilers 
of reviews that are coming for those games because I obviously need to talk in more detail about those games and solidify my thoughts. But these are impressions that I've been getting of the game as I've been going through and some of them need solo play so I've got to... My work cut out for this week. I mean, I'm not going to my usual Southampton club tomorrow. I will probably spend time editing videos and uh, doing some solo plays. Um, it would be good to get Path of Civilization played tomorrow. Get that solo done. So, yeah, I haven't really talked about that game. But I'll perhaps I'll bump that one further up in the list in terms of getting a review done. I mean, there's so many games, so little time. But they're going to get reviews done. So just be patient. A lot of these games aren't on retail yet, particularly in the UK. So be patient, save your money, don't pre-order stuff when you don't know, and I'll let you know my thoughts. Or check out my Instagram feed, because my Instagram feed does now and again put up, well, actually fairly regularly, when I play a game for the first time, maybe the second time, I tend to put up first impression thoughts. So if you check out my Instagram feed and sub to that, you will get those every now and again. And I probably have put up stuff to do with Kutna Horror, Nucleum, Ceres, uh, and Path of Civ at some point. So by all means, check those out. You know, So if you can, sub to the YouTube channel and sub to the Instagram feed. They're the two primary things I use now. Facebook has a lot of jerks on it, frankly. You know, Facebook groups just seem to be a big mix of people who want to comment and have some fun and debate and easily offended people who just literally the second you give any kind of criticism about anything they just want to rip you apart and like cancel culture you to death it's facebook's really going downhill to the point where i don't like posting a lot in the facebook groups you know board game group and board game trading uk and stuff like that because you just get such jerks you know come at you for no reason other than just to try and screw you over and you can only block so many but i do like posting in the solo groups, solo board gamers and bg games for one or whatever they are called the two solo ones they're pretty cool i do like posting in those and i do like posting in forums which are about a specific board game like spirit island for example but i can only do so much with that so you know there's the limit but yeah and twitter yeah x or whatever you want to call it yeah do we need to say more about that I use it for an easy broadcast of when I'm doing videos and the occasional rant thing. And some people are still on the Twitter front. But, yeah, that's about it. And I don't care about any of these new platforms that have arisen because of Twitter. Because they're small, they're not going to have many people on them. And frankly, that's not worth the time and hassle to learn and, and create a new profile and all this stuff when the player base is already on other stuff. And don't get me started on TikTok. So... Yeah, Instagram and YouTube is kind of the primary way, so by all means, sub to those two. Anyway, I better get on and edit this before I go to bed so that you guys can enjoy this over the night or over the morning. So uh, that's it for me. I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple video, and you'll hear me on the next podcast. So bye for now. Take care. Remember, it's only a game, and I'll see you soon. Take care.